0: Welcome again to Bible Center. My name is Matt, a senior pastor here at Bible Center. It's great to be back home. After two weeks of family vacation, we're able to get a lot of rest, take a lot of walks, eat a lot of food. You know, you start vacation excited to get out, to get away, to get some rest, but usually by the end you miss your own bed, miss your home cooking, and it's great to be back with our church family. Uh, thank you so much for your prayers and encouragement. And this morning, it's my joy to introduce our scripture reader, uh, Roger Ash. Roger and Jill have been at Bible Center for five years now, and they moved here from Alaska. Anchorage, Anchorage Alaska?
1: Yes, Anchorage, yeah.
0: And they've been here five years, right? Five years, yeah. And he and Jill serve in our hospitality ministry. The donuts that you eat and the coffee that you drink uh, many times is because of Roger and Jill. So it's an honor to have him read the scriptures for us today.
1: Thank you. Good morning. If you would please turn in your Bibles or Bible apps to John seventeen thirteen through 19. Please stand with me for the reading of God's word. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
0: Thank you, Roger. Well, I've never been more excited for a VBS. As you can tell, we have the decorations. A few of us are wearing purple shirts. This may be the first time I have ever preached in a purple shirt. Uh, They didn't have purple camouflage, so I went ahead and just went with the whole purple uh, decor. But we're excited for Vacation Bible School, and I hope you, uh, again, love the decorations. I was in several evenings this week catching up, having been gone for a couple of weeks, and Pam Howie and her team have done a phenomenal job decorating. This is a picture of Pam and her husband, Eddie. Let's give her a hand for all of her hard work that she's done. I found a neat meme about Vacation Bible School that I thought you would appreciate. Uh, We'll show the picture up on the screen thinking about volunteering. Be a VBS leader, they said. It'll be fun, they said. also found a neat article, the top five things VBS leaders don't want to hear during the week. So those of you who are volunteering, let's see if this is true. You do not want to hear... We're running low on snacks, so we'll feed the kids Fun Dip and Mountain Dew. There's a problem with the air conditioning. We hope to get it fixed by Friday, maybe. Can you talk to the kindergartners? They've been crying since the lesson on the Lake of Fire. What time were the children supposed to be back from their field trip to the prison And lastly, number one, using a hammer is too difficult, so the kids are using nail guns uh, to build their birdhouses this year. We're going to have a lot of fun together, but it's good for us to take a few minutes and ask why. Why do we as a church do Vacation Bible School? Uh, This morning I plan to share why we do it and share what we're praying for and how you can get involved. If you want to turn with me again to John 17, we'll go through this text and answer the question, why have vacation Bible school? The big reason is for the glory of God. In your outline, the big reason we do vacation Bible school is for the glory of God. Verse 1, John 17, 1. G- when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. And he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. The big reason is for the glory of God. Jesus prays this prayer just shortly before he goes to the cross, hours uh, before dying on the cross. It was the night before. And in John 13, the scene opens up with him and his disciples in what we call the upper room. It was a rented room, a place where they were going to celebrate the Passover together. And we know from John 13, when everybody had gathered, Jesus surprises them all and washes the feet of dirty disciples. Interestingly, when Jesus washed their feet, he even washed Judas's feet. Knowing, being all God, knowing that Judas would betray him, he still washed his feet. In John chapter 14 through 16, we find the instructions that Jesus gave, probably when the Passover meal had concluded. And then at the end, in John 18, they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane was their favorite conference spot. It was like their prayer room. It was the place throughout Jesus' ministry where he would retreat and the disciples would retreat. But something happens between John 16 and John 18. Before they leave the upper room, Jesus prays perhaps the most beautiful prayer in all the Bible. Uh, Some call this the true Lord's Prayer. Whatever we call it, it was Jesus' longest recorded prayer. And we get a glimpse into his heart about what mattered most. When we want to know what someone really believes... You can talk to them hours before their death. If they know their death is imminent, they'll share what's most important to them about their family, about their future, uh, about their desires, about their, their hopes for the world. And that's what we see in John 17. So if we ask, Jesus, what was most important to you in the hours before you went to the cross? John 17.1 sums it up. Jesus was passionate For the glory of his Father. Now, we use words a lot in church like glorify God. And we can use these church words, and if we're not careful, we can blow right through them without defining what they mean. So what does it mean that we're about the glory of God or that Jesus was passionate for the glory of God? Well, the word glory means to be show the right opinion of. To show the right opinion of something or to shine the light on something. In a very simple way of looking at it, it's to bring something that's already glorious into focus. One of the best definitions is actually behind me in the telescope. Uh, the telescope will helps us understand what it means to glorify God. When the telescope shines on a star miles and miles away, it doesn't make the star any more glorious. It doesn't make the star any bigger or any better, but it simply draws attention through light to help us be able to see what was already awesome and make it that much more awesome in our sight. It doesn't add any value to the star, but it shows us how valuable the star already is. And Jesus, by saying, hey, I want to glorify my Father That's what I'm about. That's what you need to be about. Wasn't saying that we make God better by glorifying God. But actually, the more we see who God truly is, we become better. We bask in His glory. We're changed by His glory day by day. That was the mission of Christ. So when somebody says, what are you about at Bible Center? Why do you do what you do? The simple answer is, We are all about the glory of God. Our mission statement is to glorify God by producing more maturing followers of Jesus. It's on our wall. You'll see it in our bulletin. You'll see it printed on our website, just about everywhere, because we want to remind ourselves this is for the glory of God in Charleston and then for the glory of the gospel in people's lives. So the big reason why VBS is the glory of God. But let's get into the details a little bit and ask, what specific things are we praying will come out of VBS? What do we want children to see this week in the glory of God? How do we want it to change them? Well, in your outline, I listed five ways, five things for which we're praying. First of all, specifically, we're praying that kids can know God. Number one, that more kids can know God. Verse three sums this up. Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Number one, we're praying that more kids can know God. This idea of knowing God is more than intellectual knowledge. I know the guy who runs the restaurant. I know the guy down at the post office. But I know my wife. So it's more than just knowing that somebody exists. God says eternal life is knowing me. Eternal life is God's life in the soul. It's more than just living forever with God in heaven or in the new heavens and new earth. But eternal life is eternal life within the soul. It's a relationship with God. God is not just the way to eternal life. God is eternal life. God is not just the way to eternal life. God is eternal life. So when we think about, do you have eternal life? It's not a matter of, well, one day I'll have eternal life when I'll die. But if we've put our faith and trust in Jesus, we have the life of God within us now. We know God. This week I asked Pastor Richard, Richard, how can kids in vacation Bible school know God? And this is what he said. Each lesson in VBS is designed to discover the great God who existed before time began, the God who is alive today and the God who will be with these kids throughout their lives and into eternity. Each night, kids will be challenged to search the skies and God's word to uncover God's truth etched in his handiwork, including creating each of us in his image to the furthest reaches of space and beyond, Nothing is outside of God's control. God made us. He made everything. He loves us, and he will never leave us. That's how we want kids, to know God. What specifically are we praying for this week? That first of all, kids will know God. Secondly, we're praying that kids can be loved by God. That kids can know what it means to be loved. Loved by God and by us. Look with me in verse 11, if you will. In verse 11, Jesus sums this up and says, I am no longer in the world, but you are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Skip down to verse 20, if you will. Verses 20 through 26 is for us. Jesus prayed for you. In verse 20, he says this, I do not ask for these only, his 12 disciples. It wasn't just praying for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. This is for us at 100 Bible Center Drive. He's praying for us. What is he praying? He says that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know you have sent me and love them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And let's stop for just a minute and think about that. That is a lot to process. If I could sum it up this way. Jesus prayed that the love that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit experienced in eternity past, he prayed that through the church, we might get to experience that same kind of love. Now, when we talk about doctrine, the doctrine of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it can seem like a dry doctrine. You know, what is doctrine? You'll hear, doctrine divides, but love unites. There's been there's nothing crazier in the world than that statement. Doctrine is the the means by which we know the glory of God. Think of this: Jesus said the Father in eternity past loved Him, loved Him. In another passage, He says that He has been loved by the Spirit, and that He loves the Spirit, and that the Spirit loves the Father. So in eternity past, the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, in some way, I cannot explain beyond this, have lived in community. The first community group If we could say it this way, an eternity past was between, yes, there's one God, but God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I am praying that your church can be a means by which people who come in can learn the love of the Father, the love of the Son, and love of the Holy Spirit. Now that's easier said than done. But that's our challenge. That's our mark. That's always what we want to ascribe to. God, make it so this week in VBS that the kids who come can know the love of God. We're created in God's image, therefore we crave community. Why do we have sports teams? You ever think about why do you like the football team you like? Especially if you like the Browns. Why, why do you like the teams you like? Right? We like the teams we like because we're created for a community. And at some point in time or another where we live, maybe who our dad or our mom liked or a best friend or something we saw on TV, maybe it was a sports player, we, 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 we gravitate to a team and for the rest of our lives we say, do or die, I'm going to be a follower of that team. It's not really about the team, Right? It's about all the people with whom you live in community around that team. Why do we enjoy clubs and gatherings and picnics and families? What about gangs? Why is there such a a draw, even in the drug community, around uh, friendships and and brotherhood and gangs? It's not about the drugs. It's about the community. God's written it on our hearts to crave closeness and love and belongings. And the kids in Charleston are craving it. And we have the opportunity to show it. What are we praying for for Vacation Bible School? That kids will know God. That kids can be loved by God. But number three, we're praying that kids can also have a lot of fun. We're praying that kids can have fun. In verse 13, we see a deeper truth than fun, but it certainly is the foundation. He says, now I'm coming to you, verse 13, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. If you're taking notes, you might want to write these down. Jesus was all about their joy. He's all about our joy. Chapter 15, verse 11, just back a couple pages. Jesus, still in the upper room, says in chapter 15, verse 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Chapter 16, verses 22 through 24. Chapter 16, verses 22 through 24, Jesus said, So also you have sorrow now, but I see you again. I'll see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. And that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full ever wondered what Jesus was like? I mean, if you were to hang out with Jesus, what would he have been like? I mean, typically, we would know he is a holy uh, man, all God, yet all man. Jesus would have, was holy. He is holy. We would say, well, Jesus is peaceful. Often in the media, you'll see the image of, of Jesus as the most peaceful rabbi, the most peaceful teacher, and that's a great image. But what about his joy? You ever think about Jesus being the happiest man in the universe? It blew me away this week. I found an article, I'll put it on my Facebook and Twitter, about Jesus being one of the happiest, being the happiest man who ever lived. It just blew me away. Romans 14, 17 gives us a description of the kingdom. And so if this is a description of the kingdom, it's obviously a description of the king. Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, not a matter of outward appearance. It's but it's it's what is it? It's of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, Isaiah 53, as you know, the Old Testament says that Jesus was also acquainted with grief. He was a man of sorrows. And so we know that when Jesus was going to the cross, it was a very sorrowful occasion. Uh, He was suffering. He was hurting the night before. He prays, let this cup pass from me. There was obviously emotion and sorrow and grief. He not only took our flesh, but he also took our feelings. So I'm not saying that Jesus was like this always happy-go-lucky fake plastic guy. He knew what it was like to cry. Shortest verse in the Bible. What's it say? Jesus wept. Jesus knew sorrow. But let's also remember verses like we find in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1 and verse 9. It says that Jesus was was anointed with the oil of gladness. To hang out with Jesus was to hang out with joy. It is okay for you to be joyful. As a matter of fact, some of the godliest people we know are people who are filled with joy. What is the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, and so on. Karl Barth, I love this quote. He writes, Laughter is the closest thing to the grace of God. Now, just speaking from friend to friend, pastor to church member for a moment, maybe there's some of you, some of you have shared this with me, say, Pastor, I've lost my joy. I think all of us have been there. Has anybody here willing to admit you have been discouraged at least once in your life? Anybody willing to admit two or three of you? Yeah, good. Okay, a couple of you have been discouraged. Yeah, we all get discouraged. There is something about getting around a bunch of children and having our joy for life renewed. Now, I also know some of you right now who are around children, you're neck deep in diapers, you're like, you know, I don't think think I'm just going to turn this part of the sermon off. Feel free to do that. Go ahead and just shut it off. This part is not for you. But there's something about getting around kids and serving kids and seeing their excitement and seeing their faces that just does something for your heart. When we were kids, we had vacation Bible school, and the big thing was to have trash can popsicles. I don't think we're doing that. I don't know if Richard's in here. There's Michelle. I don't even know if that's hygienic, but we did it a lot of things that weren't hygienic. But you, you, you take a trash can and you put a broom handle down in the middle of it and you fill it full of the right amount of sugar. Well, I'm sure it was a lot of sugar and Kool-Aid and water and you fill it up and you throw it in the, the walk-in freezer and then you cut the trash can away and it's a trash can popsicle. You know, I mean, just think about that. I don't know if we're doing that in VBS or not, But that's going to do something for you. It'll kill your pancreas or give you joy or somewhere in between. Getting around a bunch of kids, that's what we're praying for this week, to see the look on their faces. Richard and Michelle have been sharing with us what they want to do with snack time and game time and what all of our volunteers are gearing up to do. It is okay for kids to have fun in church. And let's pray this week that that is so, that they can't wait to come back. I think Jesus would be right there in the middle of it with them because our Jesus is a God of joy. We're praying that people will know God, that kids will know the love of God, that they'll know the joy, the fun of God. Number four, we're also praying this week that kids can know the protection, be protected from Satan. Verse 15 Jesus writes, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. We're praying they know the protection of God from Satan. The word world is used 18 times in this prayer. Three different usages uh, in the Bible for the word world. Sometimes the world refers to the earth, the planet. That aspect of world is not bad. God created the earth. Uh, The people of the earth, that's John 3.16, for God so loved the, what? The world. But then there's also this evil system of the world. And he's praying here that while we're in the world, we would not be of the world. He's not praying for isolation, but he's praying for insulation, Throughout church history, there's been different devices and different institutions by which uh, the church has tried to completely pull out from the world and separate itself from the world. But every time we do that, we find that Satan cannot be kept out. We can never write a policy, policy manual big enough. We can never build a fence tall enough to keep Satan out. And so Jesus is saying that as we're in the world, however God has called you to do life, that our prayer, his prayer for us, is that we would be protected while in the world. And Vacation Bible School isn't the only way, but it is a way, one of the many ways in children's ministry. We're praying that our kids can know God and be protected from Satan. There's one more way I'd like you to see, one more thing Jesus prayed for that we're praying for our vacation Bible school, and that's number five, that kids will grow spiritually. Number five, we're praying that kids grow spiritually. Look with me in verse 17. Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Number five, Jesus is praying that people will grow spiritually, that we will grow spiritually. If you're taking notes, the word sanctify means set apart for a purpose, set apart for a purpose. The way to understand verse 17 is through verse 19. If you write in your Bible, you might write an arrow from 17 to 19. Notice Jesus uses the same word twice. He says in verse 19, For their sake I consecrate myself, it's the same word as sanctify, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Now this is another one of those church words. Some of you maybe have never heard the word sanctify. Some of you grew up with this word, and for you it meant a particular way, a particular appearance, a particular way to do your hair, a particular rule that you had to follow in order to be a religious person. If you're sanctified, you will do this, but you will never, ever do that. Uh, but interestingly enough, that's not the definition of the word sanctify from verse, according to verse 19. If it was, then Jesus was a sinner. Or sinful, because he says in verse 19, I have to sanctify myself too. So was Jesus saying that he has to get the sin out of his life? No, because Jesus was sinless. But the word sanctify means set apart for a purpose. And according to the whole context of John, specifically verse chapters 13 through 17, Jesus is saying, God called me here with a purpose to run a race, to be on mission, to seek and to save the lost. And I have to constantly focus myself on that mission. I sanctify myself for this purpose. The best way to understand the word sanctify is to think about an Olympic athlete. Think about what an athlete does to train. A man or a woman whose body is like a machine, they they sleep a certain way, they eat a certain way, they exercise a certain way. Their whole life is about one thing, and that's winning that gold medal. And Jesus said, I sanctify myself, and I'm praying that you will too have that kind of focus about the mission for which I've placed you on the earth. You ever wonder, you ever think about it, can kids really grow spiritually? We're praying that through the truth this week, they'll be sanctified, they'll they'll grow, they'll see their purpose for living to glorify God. Let's just call time out for a minute. Can kids grasp this? What do you think? You think kids can actually grow spiritually? I think we would agree they, they obviously can. I think kids actually grow faster spiritually than we grow. One of the keys to adult transformation is realizing that we as adults transform slowly. Kids, just like they grow physically, they transform quickly. And they get a lot more than what we think they get. I was made aware of that this past week on vacation at the end of vacation, my wife wanted to, Sarah wanted to pack up and clean up and get everything ready before we hit the road. And, and of course, uh, if there's cleaning involved, I found several excuses to leave the house. And so I said, hey, I'll take the kids. i got to get air in the towers, We've got to go, uh, of course, you got to go to Starbucks before you get on the road. It's just, it's just important. It's a dad duty. Um, you have to hit Publix one more time. You know, we don't have Publix around here. A couple other places, think Dunkin' Donuts and... There was a couple other places we had hit, so I said, "Hey, I'll go do the hard work; you can stay back and, and do this." I took the kids with me, and I said, "I got to get some air in the tires." So I, the first place we stopped, it was a nice gas station, and I just knew they'd have air. Got gas, pulled over to the pump, and there was a sign that you couldn't see from the pumps, but it was out of order. So I was like, "Okay, it's out of order." It was kind of hard to get back in there, so it was a little, just a little put out. But you know, we watched all the traffic, and we came out. So I went to another gas station. I said, kids, you know, we're going to get to Starbucks. We're going to get to Dunkin' Donuts. I got to get air in the tires before we go. So I went to the second place, no sign that said out of order. So I, I looked, put in my $1.50 in quarters and push the button. Nothing happened. Push the button again, nothing happened. Push the button like 10 times, nothing happened. You know, something about, it's kind of like cable. You just push the button long enough. You think it'll work. And so I went inside and I asked the lady, I said, does the air machine work? And I or, or said, the, the air machine's not working. Can you help me? And she goes, well, it, it works. And I said, well, I put my $1.50 in and I push the button and it's not working. She goes, no, it works. And so I said, well, could you come out and help me? I'm just not sure. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not doing it right. I mean, the button thats I didn't say this, but I was thinking it's like the button that says on, you know, I, maybe I wasn't doing that right. And, and so uh, she said, no, I'm not able to go out there. I'll just go ahead and refund your, your money. And so she turned this clipboard around and slid it across the counter. And there was about 20 entries that day and the day before of people who'd gotten a $1.50 refund. <laughs> now, I should have let it go, right? Like if I was if I was godly, I would just have let it go. But of course, I'm still in progress, right? I tell you, your pastor's a work in progress. And so I had to say something. And I tried to say it as nicely as I could. I said, I said, so it looks like, Some other people had some problems with it, with the air pump. And she said, yeah. She goes, I I called somebody to fix it. I thought it would be fixed by now. So she gave me my $1.50. We're at two places. So we go do some running and go to the third place to get air in the tires. There's a guy in a blue F-150 getting air in his tires, but I'm convinced this guy wasn't just getting air. He was doing like a nuclear test on his tires because he'd put air in, then he would like test it and he'd put air in and then he would test it. And he was doing that to all four tires. So you're like, come on, man. I just want a little air just to top off before I hit the road. So I looked across the street, and there's now a fourth gas station with air. So we take the girls and drive over there. There's no out-of-order sign. Everything looks normal. I get out. I'm waiting for something to happen. Go to put my first quarter in, and somebody's jammed like a piece of mulch in the slot. (laughs) And you can't... So now... I'm giving you the G version, but I am... I'm like aggravated. Like, come on, man. I just want to get some air. And we're pulling back the road to go back because the Mr. Ford, nuclear scientist that had driven off, he was driving off and I wanted to get there for somebody else got there. And from the back seat, I hear this voice from one of my daughters. The night before in our family devotions, we had learned this phrase, love awaits around every corner. Love awaits around every corner. And man, I had waxed eloquent as pastor daddy about the need to just know that love waits around every corner. From the back seat, I hear this little voice that says, Hey, Daddy, maybe patience should wait around every corner. <laughs> kids get it. They see it. And this week, kids are coming to us, and our prayer is that they would get it and that they would see it. They'll soak it up like sponges. So we ask the question, how does all of this take place? We're, we're about, to, about done. How does it take place? And the answer is simple. It only happens by teaching kids the truth. How does it happen? By teaching kids the truth. We see it all throughout this text. Verses uh, 6 through 8, verses 13 through 14, verse 17 sums it up. He says Sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. Every night of VBS, our teachers, our volunteers, people are going to be pointing children to the truth, and it's going to change their little hearts. This is eternal business, and we as a church get to take part in it. So what's the main encouragement this morning? It's simply this. Let's all support VBS this week. Let's all support VBS this week. For some of you, your schedules are crazy this week. You'll be busy. You'll be all over the map, all over the country, maybe the world for some of you. Can I invite you to pray for VBS? You could support VBS by praying. Six o'clock to eight o'clock every night. Pray for our teachers who may feel like Johnny Depp, the pirate uh, running from the people on the island. Pray for them. Pray they'll have a great time. One way you can do it is inviting or bringing a neighbor. Even if you're not bringing kids or your kids are grown, ask to bring the neighbor's children or invite the neighbor to come with you. One way you could support it is by jumping in and volunteering. It's still time. Shell and Richard say there are a couple of dozen ways that people could still jump in and serve. If you show up tonight at 515 I'm going to be right out there in the gathering space wearing this beautiful purple shirt. If you want a place to serve, we'll find you a place to serve. There'll be a way. We'll find a way. We'll get you plugged in. But let's really rally around and support Vacation Bible School this week. Yesterday, we had the funeral for a young man named Selden Rife. Seldon's grandparents attend here, John and Marsha Duncan. They gave me permission to show his picture and to share a little bit about yesterday's funeral. Um, Seldon has his picture with his grandparents in the church bulletin that's going to come out in a few weeks. Um, and Seldon got in an ATV accident um, the morning of July 5th and uh, passed on into glory. Fifteen years of age... And so Pastor Chad has loved that family well and served that family well. And I wanted to go yesterday in support of him and support of the family. When we pulled into the funeral home down in Hurricane, there were hundreds. I try not to exaggerate as a pastor, but there were hundreds of Hurricane High School students lined up outside the funeral home waiting to get in. And so I knew there's no way I would ever be able to get in that way. So I went around the back door and, and, and came in and, and found John and Marcia and found Pastor Chad. And there were a number of Bible Center people there. And before he got up to speak, the Bible Center folks, we gathered in this one side room and we held hands and we prayed, God help him. Because he said, John and Marcia said, there's a bunch of unsaved people uh, going to be there. We prayed that the gospel would go forward in power. He gave opportunities for people to stand up and share what they knew about Selden, and so they did. And for about 45 minutes or more, kids just shared the stories about this 15 year old young man. And then uh, I think it was Brad Paisley's song, When I Get Where I'm Going. I hadn't heard that song in a while. Country song? Man, there wasn't a dry eye in the room. And we weren't just crying for thinking about Selden. We were also looking around and thinking about all of his friends that John and Marsha were praying would come to faith in Jesus because they had no idea where they're going. And as Chad began to speak, he shared the gospel better than I've ever heard it at a funeral. And at the end, he's trying to find a way to wrap it up, and he used a great illustration. He said, you know, believing in Jesus and accepting salvation is like accepting a Facebook invitation or a Snapchat request. Somebody reaches out and they want to connect with you, but you've got to receive and you've got to accept them. And he had people bow their heads and close their eyes. We have no idea how many prayed to accept Christ yesterday at the end of the funeral, but he gave them some ways to follow up and ways they can get connected into some good churches in the area. We made our church available to them. As we were leaving, just looking at the faces of kids, many of them, John and Marcia said, have never been to church before, to think that we live in a community where there are people, high school students who have never heard the gospel, middle school students who've never heard the gospel, grade school students who've never heard the gospel. And God has placed us here in this community. As we were leaving, two thoughts I couldn't get out of my head. One, I love our church family. Bible-centered people all around that place praying for the gospel to take root. The second thing I couldn't get out of my head was this. We will be a church that leans and reaches the next generation. We will be a church that does everything in our power to reach boys and girls and students with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our staff is praying, and our elders are praying, and we're going to share more about it throughout the fall. But VBS is just the first step. And this week, this place is going to be filled with hundreds of little Seldons. And I'm asking you to help us support VBS this week. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the vision that you give us in your word. Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Help us to be a church that more than ever reaches out through Awana, reaches out this fall through our base camp, through our element, through our fusion, and now through VBS. God, I pray for all those kids who heard the gospel yesterday. I pray for all those who will hear the gospel this week. Help us to be a church they can't live without. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to take just a minute. I want to ask you to take a minute and pray for VBS. Let's take a minute and pray that kids can know God, know his love Find the protection from Satan. Know what joy and fun really are. Let's pray they'll grow spiritually. And then we'll close in a moment with a song.